The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now your hosts, Jess Navarez, Aisha Morrison, Kelsey Charles, and Jane Slater. Hey everyone, and welcome into the second episode of Girls Talk, Boys Talk. I am your host, Jane Slater of the NFL Network, and I'm joined by Aisha Morrison and Jess Navarez. And Kelsey Charles, if you'll notice, there's an empty chair here. Now, during the season, uh, she will be joining us remotely at times, but Kelsey was behind a bit of a car accident, so she'll be joining us in the second break. So just a heads up, Kelsey Charles will be here. She is just delayed. Guys, let's get real uh, into this real quick. Uh, last year, I had the opportunity to go and cover this game in Tampa Bay. Cowboys, Bucks, week one. Uh, Cowboys put themselves in a position where they were able to potentially win this game with a minute and a half left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tampa Bay, you never count Tom Brady and the Bucks out. <sighs> they manage and orchestrate an 11-play drive, and it comes down to a kick. Uh, Cowboys lose the game, but I think it set up a lot of optimism. And as yeah. Dak would tell us a couple of games later, they got a little cocky, right? Mm-hmm. They started yeah. filling themselves uh, until, of course, the Denver game uh, <laughs> a couple weeks later. And so when we talk about this game heading into uh, week one on Sunday, there's an ebb and flow to it, right? Mm-hmm. But there seems to be, if you listen to Mike McCarthy today and even Ezekiel Elliott, this desire and this drive to run the ball. Mm. Aisha, your thoughts watching these games last year, how important is, do you think, that they reestablished the run because they had moved away from it? And I think a lot of it had to do was they were playing from behind a bit, but they also had this embarrassment of riches of having a guy like Amari Cooper there, Michael Gallup uh, there, um, this ability to air it out. Mm -hmm. But I think when this team was successful, they were doing it in the trenches. Yeah, um, so when I look at the Bucks game from last year, uh, I think a lot of people would say, you know, the Cowboys went away from the run early in that game. The Bucks obviously had a pretty good run defense with Via Vea in there. Um, but what I think they saw was that they're playing man coverage right now and our receivers can beat these guys. A lot of cover one, cover three. And honestly, they attacked a lot of the middle of the field. CeeDee Lamb had a good showing and so I feel I do feel like they are going to come out this year. The difference is this year they are going to probably try to run the ball early in this game. It sounds like even with the draftees that they picked up, you know, like it seems like there's an emphasis on reestablishing that that physicality at that line of scrimmage. Now, I will say um, with the run game in this game in particular, I would, you know, start attacking kind of the middle of that defense. Uh, granted. Vitave is no one to, that you want to have to deal with like that. But once you clear him out, I would not run at the edges because they're linebackers. You know, you got Levante, it's Levante David, uh, Devin White. Those guys fly around. Shaq Barry gets in there. So I think I would like to see them attack you know, the, the middle of this, you know, this Bucks defense and really try to establish the run. I think it should open up some of those boots and waggles and quick things for some of these receivers. Um, but yeah, last year, I feel like the Cowboys, it was one of the few times we saw Kellen Moore see a matchup and they just kept going on it. The Bucks, the Bucks secondary struggled last year. They actually had some injuries as well because of, mm-hmm. you know, in that game. So I am curious to see how they go about things. I think our tight ends are going to get a lot of work at the middle of that field, especially if we're going to be getting rid of the ball fast. But as far as the uh, defensive side, on the defensive side for them, I think that if you're going to attack them, I would be kind of looking I think our guys I think a couple I think CD can beat some of their guys in that secondary and get open and be free so yeah I love that you brought up Shaq I mean 37 and a half sacks in the last three <laughs> he's seasons gonna get busy. he's such a beast uh just your thoughts because I know one of my favorite themes on blogging with the boys is <laughs> where is Tony Pollard yeah do you like this notion of them including both Zeke and Tony more in the game plan Here's the thing. So when Kellen Moore during, uh, you know, the preseason press conferences and even during training camp brought up, yes, we are going to include both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott on the field at the same time. I can't tell you. I think Cowboys Twitter exploded, Jane. I think it nearly broke the Internet. But I personally, I enjoy seeing this because it 
it makes them less predictable. So when you have both of them on the field, one in as wide receiver, obviously one in as running back, you really don't know. Now, I think what kind of drive drives the fan base crazy is when you see clearly Zeke's not going to play. He's on the sideline. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen with Pollard in. So I think just having that unpredictability factor in everything in the offense is really going to help. And and Kellen Moore's done this before. We saw his play calling. We know what he is capable of of doing with the play calling, right? But, um, you know, I'm looking at the stats from the last time we played the Bucks. so, mm. you know, the last season opener. And, Aisha, you mentioned a couple of good names. And so what I do want to mention is, you know, not only is this game going to be a test for how much we really depend on the run, but I really want to see CD step up and become that wide receiver one. And, mm. uh, of course, we're not going to see that established until later on in the season. But he had a very good game the last time. Yeah. He had 104 receiving yards. Amari Cooper had one. 139. So, you know, for CD being the younger guy, that's pretty comparable to mm-hmm. Amari Cooper, who was the veteran, right, at that point, and he was wide receiver one. And so I just wanted to point out that CD is not to be counted out during this game exactly. either. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I'm excited to see what Zeke's going to do. Zeke only had 33 rushing yards that last game. Tony Pollard only had 14. I would like to see more out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're not getting over 100 rushing yards, you're not doing it right. And and I think uh, the Cowboys have a history of showing when you reach that level of 100 rushing yards, you're going to win the game more than likely. So. Yeah, because you're playing. You're, you're typically playing from ahead. You're yep. typically playing from ahead when you're running the ball yep. um, and you're successful running the ball. But I will say with the Tony Pollard thing, I know a lot of Cowboys fans get down on the idea of him getting used and in this, in this offense and stuff. But – Tony Pollard doesn't get many interviews. He doesn't interview a whole bunch, but when he does, I listen. And he did have one a couple of months ago that I saw where he talked about, you know, being more involved and talking to Kellen and expecting to be more involved in this offense. So I understand that a lot of people are kind of down on his usage or whatever, but I mean, take his word for it here. And it's a contract <laughs> year, folks. It's a yeah. big year for yeah. Here yeah. is why it's important because they are vetting to see what they have yes. in Tony yep. Pollard. And they got to put it on display. And they've got to figure out what they've got with him moving forward. And whether that means that they go to Zeke and they talk to him about his contract, not dissimilar with what they've done to guys in the past. I mean, right. see Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, but I think they're looking to see what they've got here. I thought it was interesting today that Mike McCarthy, when he was asked about both Tony Pollard as well as Ezekiel Elliott, he viewed them both as it's sort of the way that we looked at uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, 1A, 1B. He didn't yeah. see one as better than the other, and they're both right. the way he he decides who's the number one guy is, is he an every down back? Mm. And so they said that obviously both of these guys are just that. You know, you were talking about the importance of CeeDee Lamb having a big game, and, you know, we might see Jalen Tolbert. Mm-hmm. We might see Kevontae Turp and some of these other mm-hmm. guys. You might have to because of the way that they will play you defensively. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about how Tampa Bay challenges you. It was Mike McCarthy today saying they challenge you schematically. If you go back to our game last year, they made a strong commitment to the box. They did it throughout the whole season. At the end of the day, you have to run the football. Ezekiel Elliott echoed that and said they would rather you throw the ball, then run it. So then I went to our folks over at NFL uh, Research Department, because I was curious about this. You know, it's trust but verify going back to Ronald Reagan, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, In 2021, Tampa Bay used a loaded box on 54.8% of its opponents' rushes, the highest rate in the NFL. Uh, Here were the other ones. The Texans, 48% of the time. Carolina, Panthers, Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jags. So what is a loaded box? More defenders than the offense has blockers. Now, Tampa Bay used a loaded box on 44.4% of Dallas's rushes in week one, the second highest rate of any Cowboys opponent they saw that season. The second highest was, uh, let's see, trailing only the Raiders, who did so on 45% of Dallas's rushes. You guys remember that game, too. So oh, yeah. I just thought that those were some interesting numbers. Tam- Tampa Bay only allowed 3.4 yards uh, a rush when using a loaded box against Dallas in 2021. So the Cowboys might go into this game, and the game plan is, We have to establish the run. Mm -hmm. We want to establish the run. Mm. You may not be able to do that Mm. given the youth of your offensive line because we've got Tyler Smith starting over there at left tackle, Terrence Steele over at right tackle. I mean, if you look at this, you've got Connor McGovern uh, over there at left guard. The only real name I think Cowboy fans are going to stand out to them is Zach Martin. You've got three of your starters have only had – what, two years or less experience in the league. So, again, the game plan can be run it, run it, run it. And I think that's important to have Zeke and Tony Pollard out there. But I think we're actually going to see a lot of two tight end sets Mm -hmm. in order to allow themselves an ability to be more efficient, get the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. Um, And, again, to your point, I think that's why you might actually see them 
air it out. They're going to try to run the ball early. Yeah. Right. It's just whether they can or not. Right. Yeah, Tampa committed to taking Zeke out that game early, and you could see that. And they would have rather us pass the ball because also, too, remember, this was our first time seeing Dak in action. Yep. It's our first time, and I think – they weren't expecting for them to come out guns blazing. I will say, game plan-wise, this was one of Kellen's. I mean, granted, it's the beginning of the season, but you could tell. I mean, that script, like, you could tell they were ready for this game. And I think that's even more so why I'm excited about this game is because I there were so many times last season that I was like, I felt like the preparation was was weird. Like, what are we doing here to start? We weren't scoring on opening drives mm-hmm. at all, ever. We didn't go get going into the second quarter. But in that Tampa Bay game, they had a plan, and you could tell that they had a way they wanted to execute it. So I'm hoping to see that going forward. Well, because as Mike McCarthy alluded today, 35% of the plays are going to be unscouted mm. plays or <laughs> yeah. variation of things you've seen before. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think this is when you get your best in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh God, I wish I'd prepared us. Maybe we'll talk about this tomorrow. But <laughs> Peter King did a fascinating article talking about uh, Vic Fangio and mm-hmm. some of the comments that he had made about how you scheme up against the Cowboys and how other teams started to employ it, how they use these, you know, these two safeties and they had the two large corners co- covering the two halves of the field. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really, really interesting. So I'm going to make a little bit of a note and I want to deep dive into that to tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but since we weren't necessarily planning on that, but it got my mind going. <laughs> Guys, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of a break here because when we get back, I had an interesting interview with Tyler Smith in the locker room. And for folks that haven't gotten to know this kid, mm-hmm. I'm playing the interview in its entirety. It's about three minutes. Just because I th- I think what it will do is it will drive home why, why he has endeared himself so much to not only the locker room and the coaches, but a lot of us here in the media. Because I know there's a lot of trepidation about him being on that, you know, that blind yep. side of Dak. Yep. Listen to what he had to say in the locker room about this game, about his preparation, and what his message was to fantasy football owners <laughs> oh. uh, when I talked to him at here in just a bit. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Little Sweet! Did you get to work on time? Yeah, but I just realized it's Sunday. Little Sweet says head on home. Dr. Pepper's on its way. So sweet, unique. Baby, there's nothing better. I bet you've probably done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Did you invest your nest egg in an NFT? Yeah, and I don't even know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. Everyone's done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
<laughs> Welcome into Girls Talk, Boys Talk. This is your host, Jane Slater of the NFL Network, joined by Aisha Morrison and Jess Navarez. And I just got a text from Kelsey Charles pulling in. If you are just joining us, she was stuck behind a traffic uh, accident on the tollway, and it can get like that. It'd be like that sometimes, ladies. Yes. So she will be coming in here hot in a second. I know injury updates are important to the fans, so mm. quick update. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, Jordan Lewis, corners for the Cowboys, they returned to practice today. Jordan talked about how excited when I pulled him aside in the locker room it was just to be back at practice because it's been three weeks. So good to see him back after injuring the hammy. And probably the best news, I think, for Cowboy fans as we talk about, you know, in, in our first segment, the Cowboys' desire to run the ball. Tampa Bay might be taking that away from them, showing them a loaded box. I think it's probably going to be their biggest challenge for their run game on the first at least half of their schedule. Uh, But Michael Gallup out there working in Mm. individual drills today, something we have not seen since the injury. Uh, That's good news. I I don't anticipate him this weekend. I mean, stranger things have happened, but I don't anticipate him this weekend. Um, Some quick updates as it relates to Tampa Bay Bucks as the injury report has been put out. Giovanni Bernard, their running back, limited with an ankle. Russell Gage, wide receiver, hamstring, limited. Uh, Chris Godwin, full full go. You know, he's had the the knee issue. Julio Jones, not injury-related, but he did not participate. That's interesting. Uh, Let's see who else is of interest to you. Tristan Wirfs, abdomen, limited. So when it's limited... That's always a pretty good sign that we're going to see him on the weekend. All right. So before we broke, we talked a little bit about Tyler Smith. And I know it felt like the sky was falling when Tyron Smith went down this year. But I've got a lot of confidence in this kid. I I think that there's going to be a learning curve. I don't think that he's going to go out there and be all world. I think it's going to require all hands on deck. That's why I said I think you're going to see a lot of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott in the game, the two tight end sets, et cetera. But. But take a listen to this interview. I know you guys weren't in the locker room today, so this will be the first time you guys are hearing it, too. This is why this guy, um, he's really impressed me since he came here. Mm -hmm. And I, hand up, when I was talking about him in the draft, I mean, most heavily penalized player in college football, played, of course, at Tulsa. I didn't quite know what to expect of this kid. Um, But in talking to a lot of people around here, it has to do with his aggressive nature. And you can sort of, you want to work with that. Those, yeah. that's the type that's the type of guy that you want to be getting penalties and he's coachable right. so listen you can't teach that right that, listen, that has to come naturally right so listen to this interview this is why he's so coachable all right you've had now a couple of days over there at left tackle how are you feeling uh, i feel pretty good about it i mean you know it was my original position in college and high school so it wasn't too much of a change how do you just feel about this group as a whole? I mean, particularly when you're getting ready to face a defensive front that's got to get like Shaq Barrett with 37 and a half sacks in the last three seasons. I mean, it's a great defensive front. It's, it's definitely a wonderful challenge that we've won. Uh, I feel like, you know, we got the right squad to do it. You know, our defensive front, you know, they're, they're great in the end and of themselves. And, you know, we, we get the best looks we possibly can in practice. So, you know, I'm confident that we'll do what we need to do come game day. I know you're a bit of a historian as it relates as it relates to tape. Uh, how much tape have you been watching at Tampa? When did you get started personally? Man, I've been watching a lot of tape. You know, it never really stops. Definitely, uh, you know, we've been going week by week. I say last week is when we really started to hone in on Tampa Bay, and that's when I myself started to hone in on Tampa Bay. But you know, I've been getting in extra film sessions with Coach Blasco and Coach Field, and even Zach. He's pulled me aside some days and watched extra tape with me. So it's been, you know, it's been great. Definitely, you know, you gotta stay on these guys and you know find. You know, find their tendencies, find you know what they what they tend to do in certain situations to kind of help uh, further along the game plan. So that's kind of what I've been focused on these past two weeks. What would you say to people? I mean, I think you've done a really good job of endearing yourself to us at this point. But for the fans that don't know you, what would you say to them as they kind of they're going in there worried about week one and and facing that pass rush? Man, I say don't worry. I mean, especially the fans. Like you know, you know, you let me worry about the hard the hard stuff like you know playing the game. I can't call it hard. You know, I wouldn't say worry. You know, football is football. At the end of the day, you know, we're, we're players. You know, it's, it's, it's a kid's game. You get paid a kid's ransom to play. You know, you know, I'm confident. I'm always excited for a challenge. You know, one thing Coach McCarthy has been emphasizing is, you know, having that Buffalo mindset, running into the storm and not away from it. And what he means by that is kind of, you know, running into that adversity and not, you know, shying away from that. Because, you know, that's part of our identity as football players. So, you know, I'm definitely excited about it. You know, i got a great team around me that's been helping me get prepared. So, you know, we're, we're excited. How much does it mean to you, though, to be a rookie and to be going up a guy, going up against a team like the Bucks in week one and have this team have that much faith in you that we're going to 
we're gonna plug you in. I mean, it's huge for me. Like, you know, I knew, you know, I knew what the commitment was from day one. You know, ever since that day in April. But uh, you know, I knew I'd give 110 percent of myself. You know, to the squad. You know, do whatever I needed to do to help the team. And so, you know, when my name was called, you know, I was ready to contribute and do my part, just like you know the other guys around me. Because you know, it's not just me. You know, at one point in time, you know, every guy on this roster have his name called and have to contribute. So you know, I'm grateful that you know they uh you know they believe me. They give me this opportunity. You know, I'm grateful to have you know 70 plus other guys with me. How much has Tyron been reaching out to you this week, if at all? I mean, Tyron, he's been he's been busy with his rehab a lot. I definitely say that. You know, we definitely been keeping it in our prayers and just been loving it. We see him in the training room all the time. I'll be, you know, occasionally asking him questions. But, you know, I'm not trying to bother him too much while he's on his road to recover. But we're excited for him to recover and have him back when the time comes. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you. All right, guys, I won't always play three-minute interviews <laughs> on, on our podcast. But the reason why I play it is, A, what I love about this hour for us doing the show is it's literally right out of the locker room. So you're not getting yeah. it on NFL Network where I work uh, from 12 to 2. You're not getting it. You're getting it before you're getting it on the local channels. But I really want people to get a sense of his personality. And Kelsey, yeah. love your personality. Glad that you've joined the show. Hey, She's hey just stuck behind traffic. <laughs> uh, but Aisha, we'll go ahead and we'll start with you. Tyler Smith, I don't know if you've gotten the chance to meet him personally yet, but just listening to that interview and all you've seen from him so far since joining uh, the Cowboys here at the Star, what's been your impression of him so far, and what's your confidence meter heading into Sunday? Um, I think I am I'm confident in Tyler Smith. I've started looking at his work ethic. If you look at the improvement he's made even from the draft till now, is almost night and day. Like, he got in here and started working, working with Duke Manyweather. We were talking about that as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of these young gentlemen are going in this locker room, in the Cowboys locker room, are going out and getting extra help at that offensive line, you know, position, and you can see the improvement he's made. But listening to his interviews, it's difficult not to have confidence in him. You know, someone that just he just spews, like, I'm confident about what I do. I know my work ethic is there. He's taking the mentorship because, like we talked about yesterday with Jason Peters, he didn't have a bad game against the Bucs last last year. He might be able to give him a couple pointers on, hey, he he likes to do this with his hands. But I know there's not a lot of young guys that come in here that are this humble, this teachable, this ready. And I feel like if you are going to be confident in a guy, why not be confident in someone that speaks that highly of himself? He's also a Marvel fan, and I can get with that. <laughs> it kind of reminds it. me of Terrence Steele a little bit, yes. like, like the work yes. ethic. Yeah. And yeah. you see that that's – it's kind of – a lot of people talk about the Cowboys not having, you know, chemistry and a culture. Hey, man, listen to these rookies. A lot of their interviews, especially yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, too, they're echoing a lot of the same stuff. And I do think we have some character guys um, on this offensive line. I really want to ask you about that. Obviously, none of us, to my knowledge, in this room have suited up and played football. <laughs> I have not. And I know that, that I know that can sometimes be a knock for some of us that are covering the game. But you were a military vet. Tracking. How hard is it when the rookies come in and, you know, when you're really in the trenches mm-hmm. to build that camaraderie? What does it take in order to establish the team culture? Just a lot of talking and questions. And I, I remember when I first came in and when I first got into the military, I was just, I know we're not supposed to be talking to our drill sergeants and stuff like that, but anytime I got their ear about, you know, how to do certain things or how's my uniform look, just anytime I got the time, and that's, again, something you see from Tyler, is yep. that he he has a plethora of information with some of these best offensive linemen we've seen in the game for a long time, Zach Martin, Tyler Smith, and now um, Jason P. Peters, he has guys around him that are willing to pour into him and teach him. Also, the defensive players, you see, you saw him at camp talking to Tank, getting some work with him. And they're going up such, like, it's another thing I don't want to discount. They're going up against some real competition, man. Yeah. Like, our defensive line ain't no joke. And yeah. just to be getting that work from with Tank, you know, Tank talks about iron sharpens iron. Like, he's getting work there. I don't know. I'm confident in Tyler Smith, y'all. I don't know about y'all. And here's the thing. <laughs> when he said... Don't worry. Don't Let worry. me worry Let to the fans. I love that response because yes. it's so it's so calming. He's not freaking out. Yeah. Why should we be as fans? And I say we as as a fan, but at the end of the day too, don't run away from the storm. Run into it. I I just wanted to give Mike McCarthy some kudos with telling his players that mm. because I think Mike McCarthy gets knocked a lot and and he's never really had a fair chance to 
to uh, in the eyes of Cowboys fans to be the coach, mm-hmm. right? And and to me, when you're telling your players things like that, they're taking it to heart. And I really think this season so far, this preseason, we've uh, just with the pressers I've listened to and I've really honed in on, you can tell the guys have the respect for Mike McCarthy that yeah. they need to be a winning team because that's, you have to have that respect for your coach. That's actually like something that I was talking to someone who's in the building mm-hmm. about yesterday. And I was, I was asking him, I was like, listen, like, there's been a lot of fans who are coming from Mike's head, yes. right? A lot of Non-stop. them. Nonstop. You know, they're ready to just fire someone immediately. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he sat down and t- he told me, he was like, listen, like, this team is bought into this culture. Yes. Yeah. You know, they really are. They're bought into Mike. It's it, it seems like in my interactions with some of the players that it's a little bit easier to play for him than it was, you know, with even, you know, Jason Garrett. Like, I even knew the rules at training camp. I was talking yeah. to one of the guys, and you weren't ever allowed to bring your car, and, like, you had to take the charter, and now it's like, hey, you're a grown man. Like, meet me out there. Yeah. Here's when you need to report. Like, mm-hmm. I need you at camp at this time. Like, show up. Yeah. And I feel like they appreciate that level of respect from him, and they reciprocate. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that culture was a big thing, a big part of the downfall of Jason Garrett at the end where the team was very obviously not bought into him. Mm-hmm. So I at least appreciate that for sure. Mm-hmm. And talking about Tyler, I I think that that kind of culture also fosters an open environment for yes. him to ask those questions, yep. to be having yep. the mentorship opportunities. And I also appreciate the fact that he's jumping in as a rookie mm-hmm. and getting the training reps with a guy like Duke Mannyweather. And I'm not going to – I do, do not know why – or if Tyler Biotish, like, had it as an option for him. But I know, like, you know, when I was asking questions about, hey, about Tyler, he didn't work with him at the time. He does now. But I like that he came in and said, listen, like, I I got a big, you know, I got a big shoes to fill, yes, right? And so I'm going to go ahead and get as much help as I can. And, I, I mean, I don't know if I think – He's going to jump in immediately, but I feel good about where he's going. And something else I want to make sure we mention while we're on that is a very big name. Nobody has mentioned so far about a mentor. Dak Prescott. You have Dak Prescott behind your back. And, and, you know, Dak did an interview the other day where he talked about, hey, I was in this situation before. Mm -hmm. I was the young guy going behind the vet that everybody loved. I mean, he was trying to fill in Tony Romo's shoes. That was that was no easy task by any means as far as being the quarterback for one. But Mm -hmm. then the scrutiny from the fans on the other end, you had that. And And we love don't remember. People can can rewrite history all they want around here. (laughs) Yep. Tony wasn't around the building help building Dak up. It was Mark Sanchez. There it is. Uh, But I love that at least he talked about the fact you've got Tyron Smith around here, but you've got guys like Zach Martin who are constantly pulling him aside. I love that you brought up Duke Mannyweather because – he was working with Duke Manny uh, Weather this summer, and Duke paired him up with Trey Smith. They mm. were getting a lot of comps. They're very, uh, very similar in terms of their body style, their playing style. Trey Smith, of course, with the Chiefs. And I reached out to Trey. I said, "What have what's been your impression of Tyler Smith so so far?" Because we're saying so many Smiths here. <laughs> uh, he said, "I saw his efficiency in sets improve, as well as his understanding his positioning in sets. Uh, Duke did a great job in helping him understand the concepts of getting his hips involved in blocking. Mm-hmm. I think we are a similar because he's a mauler. He's someone who wants to finish, dominate the opposing players in his blocks. He wants to impose his will violently." He's also strong. And so that's coming from a guy in the league who really, I mean, he could have chose not to respond to me, could have given me one word answer. It was a very lengthy response uh, as to what his impression was of this rookie. And I think that's what we're seeing throughout the building. You guys are bringing up so many great points, so I want to bring up one more before we move (laughs) move on. It's fascinating because when – and Mike McCarthy's first year was a challenge, right? Because of COVID. I can't even imagine. I think think what was hard – even as I was covering the game and, and, you know, talking to players back then, it was challenging because you're trying to endear yourself as an old school guy mm-hmm. to a bunch of young guys via the Internet and Zoom. And I don't know about you guys, but I chose broadcast journalism so I don't have to do these BS Zoom meetings. I have one tonight with NFL Network. Yay. Um, but you can tell even talking to, you know, Mike and the players now, it, it just it didn't work. Yeah. And so I think it was easy in that first year to go, well, did they have to move on from Jason? There were so many other guys. It felt like he literally was like only the second guy they brought here to the star in Frisco. And so it didn't really make a lot of sense to, to a lot of people. The reason why Sean Payton was so successful, by the way, in New Orleans, is particularly in recent years, and you can talk to a lot of players about this, 
he started to let players be themselves. Yeah. And not seeing the guys have to show up to the stadium and or get on the planes, remember, in their suits. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or I've talked to coaches in the past who didn't like when he'd make coaches run with the players. There were just and then remember there were the sprints up in New York. That wasn't all Joe Judge. That was some Jason Garrett. And so there's elements of his coaching style that I think are just antiquated. And I think if you want to endear yourself to these younger guys, Dan Quinn's kind of one of those older dogs yeah. who's learned new tricks. And I think Mike McCarthy is doing the same. Mike has even endeared himself to a lot of us in the media already. I mean, if you notice, the press conferences are so much <laughs> They're lighter so comfortable this now. year than what they've been in the past. Yeah. And so for everybody that's willing to write off Mike McCarthy, I get it. The first year was rough. Second year, there was a lot of reasons to be confident, but the way they collapsed against San Francisco in the playoffs, I get it. But I just think we should give them a little bit of time here. Mm -hmm. Um, Just based on what I've seen in the last two years, uh, there's been a big change. And to your point, when you start hearing players, and we saw it with Dan Quinn's first year here, when they start mimicking and parroting the coach, they're buying in, they're paying attention, they they care. So I'm glad you guys brought that up. All right, let's go to another break. And then let's talk about defending Tom Brady. Mm. How do you shut down a guy who's been in the league for 23 years? <laughs> a little insight from Mike and the team coming up. Little Sweet! Did you get to work on time? Yeah, but I just realized it's Sunday. Little Sweet says head on home. Dr. Pepper is on its way. So sweet, unique. Baby, there's nothing better. I bet you've probably done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Did you invest your nest egg in an NFT? Yeah, and I don't even know what that is. It's a non-fungible token. Everyone's done something that deserves a Dr. Pepper. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah's savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Brace yourself for an existential question. Has your butt been having enough fun lately? Have you been treating it well? Has it been going places? If not, then it's about time you start using SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best way to get your butt tickets to live events. Just ask the thousands of other butts who have rated it the number one ticketing app. So what are you waiting for? Download the app now or visit SeatGeek.com to get tickets to sports, concerts, and live events and make your butt happy. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the Cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Welcome back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk. This is Jane Slater, your host of NFL Network, joined by Aisha Morrison, Kelsey Charles, and Jess Navera. Welcome to this full segment, Kelsey. I know that you were involved by a car accident. The tollway is brutal it during really is. the week. Yeah. You know what else is brutal, though, guys? Uh, trying to shut down a quarterback who has seen it all. I'm talking about Tom Brady entering his 23rd year. Now, even though I've got reporter friends in that market who said there has been a lot of chatter that something is up with Tom. He looks skinnier. He seems more agitated than usual. Who knows what's going on in his personal life? But I would never discount Tom Brady, uh, period, just based on what we've seen over the years. And so I did ask, you know, Mike McCarthy today, uh, how important is is scheme mm-hmm. against a guy like this? Somebody who's seen it all. He's kind of like Drew Brees. You've seen it all. Um, and he answered this of another reporter. He said, the older, more experienced quarterback – You've got to give them uh, soft pressure. You have to give them the 
give them that because they have this ability to step, slide, slick. And their number of reps that you get for quarterbacks, you've had 10-plus years, they have so much ability to play within their A and B gaps. So the edge stuff doesn't bother them so Mm -hmm. much. They anticipate that. It's the stuff right up in the middle. And he says, you know, when they see the stuff on on the edge – they just go back for a deeper drop. And so that's why you really, really, really have got to hone in on him and go up the middle. Uh, but they do have the center that's pretty good at swipe away your defensive tackles. And so uh, I know you enjoyed one of his other comments that he had to say. It was actually, like I said, Mike's gotten pretty good at some of his sound bites this year. Uh, when you're playing Tom Brady, you can't play. He's like, I'm not, we're not going to play chess with Tom Brady. Yeah. Because he's seen, because he has essentially seen it all. But I will say that it still plays. I think that this game, uh, the Cowboys defense can't has the guys and the versatility of different gentlemen that maybe you can throw him off his game. Maybe he doesn't know who's coming. Maybe he doesn't know if it's a Micah or Anthony Barr coming up that, that A or B gap. Maybe he doesn't see that. So I just – or he sees it and – this closing speed is too much for me because we have guys that defense is fast. So I, I feel, I feel the same way. Yeah, I agree. I will have to say that one of the things that I'm going to be looking at for sure is I think you have to take into account the fact that Arians ran this really fast offense Mm -hmm. and you have Todd Bowles now, who's going to be more defensive minded. Right. And so obviously taking into account those types of things, but also you always hear with Tom and really any veteran quarterback too, but especially Tom, there's jokes about when people like the refs will call just for someone (laughs) touching him. He does not like to be like agitated. Right. It's like you said, coming at the middle is going to be really big. I am excited for a guy like Micah Parsons. I really am. When you talk about strength, Strength, that is our defense right now. Going against their weakness, it was a little more evenly matched, I feel like, last year in terms of like strengths and strengths. But this year especially, they have some serious vulnerabilities. And I really feel like there's some really great opportunities to disrupt that pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's going to have to be a really, really key thing for us in terms of winning this game. I also think on the flip side, too, it's going to be a bit of a quicker game for us as well yeah. because we kind of are facing the same thing. So uh, Turpin, <laughs> yeah. you're up. And Schultz, <laughs> my guy, you're the new Wooby this season, yep. my friend. And Chelsea, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. You had a blankie, too. I did. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you have to shut Tom Brady down early. Yeah. The more you agitate him and the more you're getting in that pocket, and Micah Parsons is not going to stop. The more he goes in and goes in, Tom Brady is going to shut down, and you're going to see more and more of what, what you're wanting out of the defense. You're going to see more picks. You're going to see more sacks. You're even going to see them swatting the ball when they need to do that. So I think shutting Tom Brady down early is absolutely key. I think anybody uh, that doesn't see December form Tom, if you will, knows that and I think honestly the Cowboys have an advantage of playing him this first week because of everything that has happened with him over the offseason we don't know what like you said Jane we don't know exactly what that is but you have the advantage of is Tom Brady really going to look like we know Tom Brady can look this first week and maybe he doesn't. Again, though, I don't count him out. As a Cowboys fan, he's broken my heart uh, a little too much to count him out. But I think the Cowboys defense, especially run under uh, run under Dan Quinn, with this entire environment we were just talking about, they have a really good shot of shutting him down early. Tom Brady six and zero against the Cowboys, five with the Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you did. You were listening to some of the press conferences from Tampa Bay, yep. and Todd Bowles had this to say about his offensive line. Because remember, fans, they are dealing with similar struggles as it relates to the guys up front for Tom. I think it's helped them all camp. You know, I think it's helped them all camp understand how to position block, when to use power, when to use speed. And he's a, he's a smart guy. He's been getting a lot of reps at it, but it'll be a challenge for him, no doubt. All right, so let's talk a little bit, too, about uh, Micah. You brought him up. I think he's going to be a huge X factor in this game. I don't think that's going to be any surprise to uh, anyone. Uh, Micah talked about how that game, his rookie season, was one of his worst. And (laughs) a lot of that issue had to do with the fact that he was almost playing a little panicked. In other, in other words, the game wasn't slowing down for him. You right. know, he thinks the game has slowed down a little bit for him, obviously, uh, at this point when he faces them again. And so this is a game he's been looking forward to. But you can always rely on Micah, who, by the way, according to Mike McCarthy, has really cranked it up in practice this week. He I said, love that. I'd love to see How? it. He said that he literally has <laughs> literally. been disruptive uh, the last two to three games, or last two to three practices. You started to really see it against the Chargers in the joint practice. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but even Mike himself conceding that even his teammates said, you know, you've been a little bit quieter this week. He says he's locked in. This is no yep. game anymore. Uh, but it's what he had to say about just Tom Brady as a whole. Uh, we were talking about Marvel characters there earlier. Here he is making a comparison about Tom Brady as it rela- relates to does he have a kryptonite? <laughs> yeah, Micah Parsons is going to be his kryptonite. Uh, just like any superhero, they have challenges. Um, and they got to get through them, whether they lose in that day or they lose a fight. I done seen the Hawk get beat up. I done seen Thor get beat up, seen Captain America get beat up. I mean, every superhero gets beat up. But, you know, one thing they always do, they always get it back up and they find a way to get to their destination. So Tom may have a kryptonite, he may not, but he gets, gets beat up, but he gets back up. Okay, but while that was entertaining, it was what he had to say about the fact that he's so competitive – Here's what you got to watch for. Uh, you just see his competitive nature. Like, he, gets, he has that fire inside of him. And, I mean, he looks to kill you. You know, he wants to step on your throat like, a, like you're a roach, you know. Looks to step onto your neck. That's like terrifying. Is like a roach? Uh, yeah, but what honestly, it's it's so true, and I, you can hear the respect for him that he has yeah. in, the, in that commentary, but also it's, a, it's almost like a lack of fear. And that's what I love about Micah Parsons. I say this all the time when I'm hiring people. I want someone on my team who hates to lose Mm. more than they like to win. Give me that person who will have that fire in their belly, who will go back to that game last year and be like, I hated how that felt. And I never want to feel like that ever again. Give me that over and over and over again. That's Micah Parsons. Mm -hmm. And I love, I mean, I actually talked to his, his college coach when he first got drafted. And before we knew about this versatility and of this, you know, eight headed monster that he (laughs) has become, like it's incredible. And he literally told me, he was like, listen, this guy can do everything. And he not only can do everything, he can do it well. And he's not only going to bring that to the field on game day, but in practice, he's the one pushing other guys. Yeah. And I think that's a really important key because he's already coming into that leadership role, which is something that's really important for this team when they're still kind of trying to find their identity and miss mm-hmm. all of the things that are happening. He's been one of those guys that stepped up and been a leader on this team. And I feel that he's going to really, truly make a really big impact in this game on and off the field this I mean this week and I think it speaks volumes that even his rookie year he was the leader in the locker room yeah and, and to have that kind of power is not something you find in just any player it really any any sport anywhere any work environment to have the power of your first year you're a rookie you're stepping in and you're showing what you're made of you're not talking about it you're showing us each and every time you get on that field. And something else that's really telling is, you know, listening to the press conferences from the other side of, of everything. So with the Bucks, everybody mentions Micah Parsons mm-hmm. when they talk, uh, every single person. And that tells me, one, you're watching all the Micah film you can possibly watch. And, you know, join us Cowboys fans. We enjoy doing that too. But um, they're worried. Any team that goes up against Micah Parsons, they are worried. Rent free, baby. And and that's what it's about. That is what it's about. And so I think Micah really has truly established um, the defensive culture. Of course, Dan Quinn, yes, it's his defense. But I think Micah has established and embodied what the Cowboys defense is going to be. And it's just so exciting that we get to see him really hone in on no that second year jump this season. Well, you know, it's it's funny when you bring up the locker room leadership and your rookie year, the only one I've really seen do that was Dak. Was Dak. Yeah. And it was just the way that it, it, I had brought it up to Jordan Lewis. I said, you know, his first year, I, I was wondering if Micah was going to rub guys the wrong way because he was sort of that eager <laughs> so- beaver. You know, when you... I don't know if you guys have ever worked anywhere, gone to school with people, and they're the the first one raising their hand in yeah. class, and it almost makes you a little insecure. Well, backseat baby, right? You you <laughs> almost kind of you loathe it because you want to be like yeah. that, but you're not. Yeah. And as Jordan Lewis put it to me today, he goes, "He's a playmaker, and a playmaker supersedes everything." And I think that's what stands out about him. I think that's one. That's why he's one over the locker room, and it's quite frankly why Dak went over the locker room the way that he did. Because I covered the Romo years, and I don't think people realize when you were such the franchise guy, face the guy, vacationed with the Jones family, that when you came back healthy, that wasn't even your job to compete for. That's how significant Dak was in his rookie season, and that's how significant that Micah has been uh, in his rookie campaign. And I can only imagine what year two and that jump's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Yeah, I think that's going to be massive for him. Can I also ask you guys, too, I mean, another name that was really big last year who I also think is going to have a pretty big game this year, um, just this year in general season-wise, but also this upcoming weekend, I think Javon Diggs is going to have a good game. Oh, yeah. Because Man. I have to say, like, again, like, if we're really focusing on on creating pressure against Tom and making him, you know, just, just act faster and mm-hmm. being a little quicker, if you want to just think about this with me for a minute, Maybe a little bit of lack of chemistry with his receivers because he's been out a little bit. He's got to get a little uncomfortable because our D-line's pretty darn good. You don't know where Mike is going to be. He's a little unsettled. He just has to quickly act and throw the ball. That's when Trayvon Diggs, I think, performs at his best. Yep. A lot of people were getting on him last season about, like, oh, he's not really a ball hawk. I mean, whatever. Like, take the 11 interceptions and, like in silence for a second. But, like, I really feel like this is going to be an opportunity for him to really, I mean, honestly, capitalize off yep. of the total, like, scene of events mm-hmm. and in his favor quite frankly and we're yeah. talking about guys that are being brought up in these press conferences tom brady mentioned him by name in that podcast the let's go podcast he mentioned trayvon Diggs by name so mm-hmm. that's already telling me yeah. you're honing in uh, you know on on this side of things when you see the players or even the coaches mentioning these specific names that tells you that's the film they're watching that's who they're honed in on making sure doesn't stop what they're trying to do right so trayvon Diggs also brought up uh you know Tom Brady said, well, when you're leading the league in, in uh, you know, receptions or interference, it, like, what else are you supposed to be honing in on mm-hmm. at that point? What else are you going to focus on as Tom Brady? You're worried. Like you said, Micah Parsons creeping up like mm-hmm. the lion he is. And then you have Trayvon Diggs, who's just ready to snatch at any time. So I really, really think Trayvon's going to have a great season. Um, not to mention real quick. And uh, Aiden Diggs. It was Shout out to Aiden Diggs. Trayvon, we love him. Trayvon Diggs was asked about the, the game ball from the pick last year, and he says he's got in a very, very safe place. So I think, he assu- I think a lot of people assumed any of the memorabilia from last season was something that was going to mean something. Well, this season, I think, is given what we're hearing possibly is going behind the scenes, this is likely his definitive last season. So every opportunity to get his jersey, get a ball, is going to be significant to <laughs> yeah. a lot of these younger players. I wanted to add to what you were talking about yeah. with uh, Trayvon Diggs. You know, I, I think we kind of expect for him to do well this season. I personally don't think. I think with a lot of the talk about him having, you know, giving up yardage, I think people may still try him. I really do. And I also do think that the safety play, um, I feel like the safety play with Malik Hooker, we haven't talked about him much, but him coming back um, in his second year post-Achilles, I, there there probably should be there should be some confidence in that safety for him to take a little bit more risk in some of the stuff he wants to do. Um, but, no, I think – and also with Trayvon Diggs, I don't know if y'all noticed, but since he deleted his social media, <laughs> if you look at those practices, he's barking at ev- I mean, at everybody. Every Let's Noah go. Brown, everybody. CD. He's he ready. Was, he's honing in. And and he he to me he looks more sticky. I know we're running out of time, but yes, I just have are. to take a little bit of of, of like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for him for a second yes. because everyone who came for him was like, oh, he gives up yards. It's because they literally he has to cover the best players. So obviously he's going to give up more yards because he's getting more of the action, you guys. Like you can't just look at the equation on one side; you have to look at the full picture. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a cheap trick to sit there and be like, "Oh well," it's it, like, "Yeah, well, you know what? I'm sure Cooper Rush's percentage, like quarterback percentage, is probably better than Dax at times. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like obviously, like <laughs> stats could be whatever you want them to be, but let's not forget the whole entire picture. So we'll talk more about love what's going to happen this this week. But I Tracking. just I had to stand up for my guy for a minute. I just love that he's our guy. She's going to be like a weekly segment. Can you dig it? And it's going to be oh, every week. It. She's going to literally justify it. the play of digs against the I'm like, Trayvon, I'm the Trayvon stand. I love it. I'm for it. All right. We are running out of time, guys. So I want to quickly wrap up uh, just some tweets of the day that you have found that mm-hmm. you find interesting, Aisha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love Twitter. I'm glad we're doing this because Twitter is one of my favorite places in the world. It's a cesspool, yeah. though. It is a cesspool. But if you ever want to find the best content, it's always in the replies. So, oh, so always. Funny. <laughs> All right. So one of the tweets that I thought was interesting today, um, just because we were talking about Mike McCarthy and him getting comfortable, he'd be having jokes on the podium. Uh, Kyle Yeomans tweeted, he said, Mike McCarthy is in rare form today when asked if he gets nervous before games after coaching for so long. Jerry thinks all news is good news. I think all energy is good energy. Looks like he's excited. It's a, it's game week. <laughs> Mike, I like how he takes. He he doesn't take digs at Jerry, but I think Jerry loves a little bit of you know. It's like the Arkansas boy. Yeah. He, everyone it's, loves a little needling. Yeah, and I think Mike's gotten kind of funny at that lately. I know he's become. 
He's it's com- really good commodity. Very confident. Yeah. yeah. Um, my second tweet, uh, this is Rick Shroud. I believe he covers the Bucks. He said that Chris Good Chris Godwin was in an orange non-contact non-contact jersey mm. i wanted to talk about yeah. that because it doesn't seem like he is I, I creeped a little bit um it does not seem like he is taking any contact in practice mm-hmm. or things he is doing the walkthroughs and things like that and so i mean to this point i'm not really looking at seeing him or if we see him in a limited capacity but i just thought that was an important thing just know that he's still in a non-contact jersey because that means something like Tomorrow yeah. will be an important day to be paying attention to practice. As tracking that. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on that. that. I just wanted to keep an eye on they that. They say like full practice, good. though, so at least, you know. Yes, he is. He's, he's practicing. Yeah. He's, his presence is going to be there. So let's see. Yeah. And past interference. Past interference. Okay, so I was a little hard on y'all yesterday with the whole, you know, the Cowboys haven't beat <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady thing. Positive. I got you, girl, because the very last time the Cowboys played the Bucks at AT&T Stadium, that was actually December 23rd, 2018, and... The Cowboys got an early Christmas present as they beat the Bucks 27 to 20. So I just wanted to point out some key stats. And if we see anything like this all together, and again, these are just the guys that we still have here, I think we're going to have a really good game. So Dak Prescott actually passed for 161 yards and one touchdown. Zeke rushed for 85 yards, his longest carry being 18 yards. Michael Gallup, not going to see him. However, I just want to point out he had 53 receiving yards and that one touchdown. So I wish we were seeing him. Probably not likely, but LVE had 11 tackles and four assists. Oh, I would love to see some LVE action with the Bucks. He's, he's had an outstanding yep. camp. Mm. This has been a really, really I, I, I think they finally have the right chemistry in the locker room. Yeah, yes. yep. I don't think the Jalen Smith, Leighton Vanderesh experiment necessarily worked. I think those guys were so completely different. Right, uh, but I feel like. Leighton is sort of, you know, obviously they didn't pick up his option. And uh, I think he's got a lot to prove this year. Yep. But I think having a guy like Anthony Barr in there, the creativity that they're able to have with Micah Parsons, you know, to to your point, the fact that they now have a secondary they can f- trust a lot more than they have in years past. Safety play has been an area of concern. We haven't talked about the safety position at <laughs> all. Because it feels like maybe they've addressed it. So, yeah, I think a lot of things t- – to be excited about. I think a lot of people are going to this game. They're automatically assuming that Tampa is the better team. And I think when you look at their roster in terms of some of their weapons, that I, I would tend to agree. But I, I think just as so many people were counting out the Cowboys and Dak Prescott coming back from that injury in week one, that was such an incredible game, guys. That yeah. It felt like a playoff game week yeah. one. And to your point real quick of counting players out, there was one more guy that I had to mention here that was counted out day one of his name being brought back up. That was Brett Maher. And Brett Maher during this game actually was two for two with his field goal attempts, contributing to nine points total for that game. His longest kick during that game was a 59-yarder, and of course he nailed it. So I think he was being counted out from Cowboys fans. And again, Twitter, we love Twitter, but uh, man, they it were nailing easy to count Brett Maher was here. Of course, yeah. he went to yeah. New Orleans, sort yep. of turned it turned it around a bit. But to your point, kicking may be important because it yep. certainly wasn't the last one. Seven Greg points. missed what three? He had three they missed lo- kicks and one field goal. Seven points on yep. the board. Yeah, seven points. And it always went back to well, if that field goal was made, if that if those points were scored, well, they would have put won yourself the game. in a position yeah. like that for yep. it to come down the kick. Yep. But to your point. Uh, I, I do think special teams is going to be important here, and that's why you guys brought up Kevontae Turpin. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he might Turbo be Turpin. a game changer in this one. Guys, I loved the show. I thought I, I hope that fans can see that this reflects a little bit more of what the podcasts are going to look like. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you locker room sounds. We're going to break it down right as we're coming out of the locker room of the day, news and notes, and uh, we're sticking straight to the game. So we fun. hope that we see you guys back here tomorrow. Uh, it's Dak Prescott Day, I believe, so I'll be interested to see what Dak has to say uh, ahead good. of this one. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!